This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. The 12th day of January 2023, going to be a rainy one down here. I know that uh, they're still dealing with the monsoon-like rains out uh, in California uh, but raining up in the northeast, we've got some big storms supposed to come through here this morning. But uh, we're here. We're on. Uh, the new mixer is working. I'm pretty happy about that. And uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. Um, if, you, if you listen to the newscast uh, just prior to the show, they uh, they had a, a piece on there about George uh, Santos, uh, the uh, clown, uh, Republican clown from New York that was elected. And then after he won the election, you come to find out that pretty much his entire uh, resume was fabricated. This is a guy that that claimed he went to uh, uh, Baruch College and New York University, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, he worked here and he worked there, and you come to find out none of it's true. None of it. He, he didn't even graduate from college. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed and sorry for having embellished my resume. Embellished? It was pure fiction. So anyway, part, part of uh, yesterday it came out that uh, uh, the chairman of the Republican Party in Nassau County, where he was uh, elected from, uh, revealed that uh, Santos had told him that he was a star volleyball player in college, which, of course, is now total crap. Uh, all the Republicans in the district where he was elected from are calling for him to resign. You've got people in Congress, you know, in, in the House that are absolutely uh, embarrassed by this guy and they want him to resign. If you're Kevin McCarthy, the new Speaker of the House, you cannot appoint this idiot to a committee. My God. And then to make things worse, Santos is just basically sticking his middle finger up at everybody and laughing his way all the way to the bank and to the seat of power in our government. It's unbelievable. Um, Adam Kinziger, who was uh, a former member of the House from Illinois, and is now working for CNN. Uh, yesterday, kind of went after Santos. And so what does Santos do? He says, uh, he says go on CNN and cry about it. Making fun of the way Kinziger, after the, uh, the January 6th attack, when he was being interviewed by the, uh, in the hearings being conducted by the committee uh, on January 6th, you know, was in tears about what a mess it was. I mean, Kinziger's a guy that was in Congress for, you know, six terms. 
And so Santos, because, you know, Kinziger tells him to retire or to resign, says, oh, go on CNN and cry about it. Shut up. I mean, this guy is a total embarrassment. And it is just another example of the mess that the Republican Party has become. How could this guy go through an entire election cycle and nobody have figured out that everything he had was a lie? It's unreal. Unreal. And McCarthy talked about it, and he, he wants to stay away from this. Why? Because the Republicans have such a narrow advantage in the House of Representatives, and Santos has been up McCarthy's butt since he got elected because he knows he needs to keep McCarthy happy uh, if he's going to be able to do anything in the House of Representatives. So, you know, he's been kind of following him around as his butt boy. And McCarthy knows he can't afford to lose that vote if they kick him out if there's an ethics investigation and it is you know determined that he shouldn't be in the house there'd be a special election and i can guarantee you in that special election because by the way the seat he won was formerly held by a, a democrat and i can guarantee you if there's a special election to replace replace him the democrats are going to win it and the Republicans have such a narrow advantage, they cannot afford to lose a vote. So they're going to just kind of try to hide this guy as best he can. And what somebody needs to do, and I, look, I, I, I think the guy should be kicked out, but if you're a Republican in the House and you want to keep that guy there, you need to go to him and you need to tell him to shut the hell up. You know, just be quiet. Lay low. You know, you, you weaseled your way in here. Now shut up and enjoy the, the, the fruits of your labor. And, you know, maybe you can do something positive in the two years that you're here that will help you get elected again and will help people forget about what an idiot you are. But you, he just continues to mouth off. I mean, it's unbelievable. He's Donald Trump with fewer brains, if that's, if that's even possible. It's unreal. Just shut up. Shut up. Um, before we get to sports, uh, some sad news yesterday. Jeff Beck passed away yesterday. Uh, now, I mean, he's 78. You know, it's not like he was, you know, in the prime of his life or anything. But Jeff Beck was one of the greatest guitar players ever. Um, he didn't have a lot of commercial success. Now, he was in the Yardbirds. He actually replaced Eric Clapton in the Yardbirds. And, you know, they had a few hits. But he never had the commercial success that, say, an Eric Clapton did. Um, but he was just as good a guitar player, if not better, than Eric Clapton. And that's saying something. I think Clapton's one of the best ever. How good was it was Jeff Beck? When you have guys like, uh, you know, Jimmy Page, Joe Perry, uh, Billy Gibbons, Clapton, uh, so many guys that, that are the guitar players that are saying, you know, this guy was the best. You know, it, when, when you have fellow guitar players saying, this guy was my hero, um, you know, that's impressive. You know, and uh, he and Clapton toured together for a while. Uh, and how good was Jeff Beck? He went into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. He went in as a member of the Yardbirds, and then he went in again, I think, in 2000. I can't remember when it was in the two thousands. He went in as a solo artist as well. I mean, that's how good this guy was. Um, 
So that was sad. I mean, you know, and I'll tell you, it's uh, it's kind of, it's just following through. And, and I mean, I know it's part of the aging process. As we all get older, we start losing the people, you know, that, that we grew up admiring and, uh, you know, the, the actors and the, and the, uh, the musicians that we loved. And we've just lost so many of them in 2022 when the hits just keep on coming. But and it was a sudden thing too with Beck. He he uh, he sub, he somehow developed uh, bacterial meningitis. I mean, so and, and they're not saying where or they maybe they're not even sure where. But he got it and it took him really really fast. Uh, so uh, that was sad. So Jeff Beck, I, I'm telling you what, if you haven't um, really listened to Beck, take some time today. Do yourself a favor. Uh, go on Spotify or. Uh, your favorite music streaming platform, or go on to uh, the iTunes store or whatever and and check out some of his music. The guy was amazing. And he, and he wasn't just one genre. This is a guy. He wasn't just a rock musician. He, uh, he loved the blues. He loved jazz. And he kind of melded all those things together. And uh, do yourself a favor. If you're, if you're a fan of uh, good guitar playing, take some time today and check out Jeff Beck's catalog. It's, it's pretty impressive. Um, some good news. Damar Hamlin, the uh, safety for the Buffalo Bills, was released from a Buffalo hospital yesterday. So just nine days after this guy went into cardiac arrest on the field where he had to be resuscitated twice, he's home. Um, and, and, and even the doctors are calling it a amazing recovery. Um, that, that, you know, once he kind of came to everything with him was accelerated so he's going to you know continue his rehab it will be with the buffalo bills um everybody is you know wondering whether or not he will be at the game this weekend with the miami dolphins um you know and and sean mcdermott the head coach of buffalo is like look you know it's up to him but he'll you know when he's ready he'll come back but you know, at the end of the day, this guy still needs to get his strength back, and you know he's 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 doing well, but Jesus, he almost died. I mean, it's unbelievable. What a great story! Um, and, and as I said, you know, if he never plays football again, who cares? You know, he's a great kid. The more you learned about the kid after the uh, uh, after the incident, and you found out all the things he did in his hometown uh, in Pennsylvania uh, to help out kids and 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 those kinds of things. It's you know, those are the kinds of people that you want as a member of your organization. And I hope the Bills do the right thing. And uh, if he, even if he never plays another down of football, they find a place for this kid in their organization because he, he's the kind of person that, uh, that you want uh, representing your franchise. Uh, $8.6 million was donated to his GoFundMe uh, that he had for a toy drive fundraiser that he set up in Pittsburgh that, you know, he was trying to raise a few thousand dollars. Uh, after what happened to him, there's $8.6 million in there. And that he said he's going to continue to uh, use it to support young people uh, through education and sports. Uh, he And the proceeds uh, from the sale of the T-shirts, you see the, uh, uh, you know, everybody had like, uh, you know, love for DeMar and, and, and those kinds of things. Well, his he has his own apparel company and uh um uh they they did a t-shirt that said did we win cuz that's the first thing uh that he said when he woke up 
did we win? Um, and all the money that is, uh, uh, and it, and then with that slogan, it's going to have uh, his hands in the shape of a heart because you you've seen that he does that a lot. Um, and all the money from the proceeds from that are going to go to the trauma center in Cincinnati that originally uh, treated him uh, after he uh, coded out on the field. So uh, just a great story. I'm really, really glad that uh, that he's back home. Um, other news from that game this coming weekend, uh, the Miami Dolphins announced yesterday that Tua Tungavailoa, their starting quarterback for most of the season, has been ruled out. He will not play in Buffalo this weekend. Now, look, at the end of the day, it's not going to make a difference. Um, they're going to lose that game. But they're going to be starting their third-string quarterback, Skylar Thompson, who started the last couple of games of the season. Uh, their normal backup, Teddy Bridgewater, dislocated his pinky finger. He is still trying to work his way back. Um, supposedly he will be available to be the backup if anything happens to Thompson. But as far as Tungavailoa goes, look, this is the third concussion that he's had this year. And, and, you know, people are even questioning whether he should still be playing or not. And I can't argue that. Um, and, and I guess the good news for Tua is that the Bills are going to get absolutely destroyed this weekend. So he'll have the entire off season to rest. You know, and one of the things that was interesting yesterday is uh, Mike McDaniel, the head coach for the Dolphins, said that Tua's actually gotten to a point now where he's starting to understand that he has to listen to the advice of the doctors and the medical professionals, and and uh, you know, and 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 that if he doesn't do that, his chances of playing again go down exponentially. And his chances of having something severe to the point of a debilitating uh, a concussion or stroke or something is possible if he doesn't listen to the medical professionals. You know, um, at the end of the day for Tua, go home, rest, don't do anything. Then you come back in the spring or early summer when they start the, uh, you know, ramping things up again. And you see how you are. And if, you know, look, here's the bottom line. I think if Tua has this offseason to recuperate and then he goes back out there in the summer or in a preseason game or whatever and gets another concussion, that's that's it. He's done. Done. Um, you know, the problem with concussions is, is once you get one, it's easier to get another. A concussion is simply a bruising on the brain. And they can, they can uh, you know, it's, it's not hard to, uh, to get another one once you've had a first one. And at the end of the day, um, his life is what matters. And, if, and if, that, if what happened to DeMar Hamlin doesn't drive that home to every player, you know, something's wrong. You know, I remember Joe Maurer, a guy who was a, a great catcher for the Minnesota Twins, a guy who probably will end up in the Hall of Fame one day. Joe Maurer got so many concussions that at the, the latter half of his career, A, he moved away from catching. He went to first base. He didn't catch very often. Uh, but he got so many concussions that his performance 
um, degraded as time went on. And, and catchers, you, it's a miracle. More of them don't get bad concussions, you know, behind the plate, get foul balls off the mask. You know, you have those masks and the hard helmets, that, you know, the hard hats that they wear. That's all great. Still doesn't stop concussions. You know, you can. it's still very easy to get a concussion. Guy with a long swing and you know hit you hit you on the back of the head with a bat. It happened to Joe Maurer so often that um, his numbers. If you look at if you go on BaseballReference.com and, and check out his numbers as his career went on, you see there's a steady decline. Now that happens to a lot of players as they get older, but Joe Maurer's was a direct result of all the concussions that he had and the number of games that he had to miss because of it. You know, it was sad. This is a guy that was on a trajectory to be a no-doubt Hall of Famer. First ballot, uh, no-doubter. But, you know, concussions are a bitch. And if you're in the NFL, you know, I mean, that's that, uh, the, the risk of getting one goes up. And uh, to, to see what happened at Tua this year, and, you know, everybody remembers that, you know, the, the game when they showed the, the, the hands and that kind of uh, the claw uh, grip, which is a sure sign of neurological distress. You know that was that was distressing just to, for for us to watch. So uh, I'm glad he's not playing this weekend. You know I thought it was going to be a stretch for him to play, but fortunately the doctors have not cleared him, uh, and there's no way the Dolphins are beating the Bills with Tua or without him. Quite frankly, the only difference is uh, when there was a chance that Tua was going to play, the Bills were only a nine and a half point favorite. Now, now that they know two is not playing, the line has jumped up to 13. You know, if, if you're a betting person, I mean, that, that just tells you that the odds makers figure that, you know, if, if you're starting your third-string quarterback in a playoff game who's never started a playoff game in his life, good luck. Uh, but hopefully Tua is, is going to be okay. And, again, just like with DeMar Hamlin, whether he ever plays again is irrelevant. What you want is for the human being to be healthy and, you know, to not put his life in jeopardy. You know, and if if he eventually gets cleared, the doctors say, go ahead, you know, great. But if you're Tua, you got to go home now, don't you? And and really think about this, whether you really want to put your body through that again. I mean, at least I think you do. Um, And the the Baltimore Ravens uh, all of a sudden are pessimistic that Lamar Jackson is going to be able to play against the Bengals this weekend. There was a, they, they thought there was a chance. Well, he's still not practicing. It's now Thursday, and he hasn't practiced, and he hasn't played in weeks. This is the end of his uh, contract. He becomes a free agent. So if you're Lamar Jackson and you haven't played – and you're going to be rusty as hell, do you really want to put yourself through that, or do you want to just say, you know what, uh, I need to, to get healthy and make sure that I'm ready to go in the spring so that I can make myself a whole lot of money? He's only 26 years old, and when healthy, is one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, his, his pocket passing was always suspect, but it's gotten a lot better, but what he can do with his legs is unbelievable but it doesn't look like he's going to be able to play this weekend. And if that's the case, then, uh, you know, again, I think the number for the Bengals is going to go up as well. It's 25 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We got uh, some Red Sox news. Um, They had a big press conference yesterday for Rafi Devers and 
Uh, Tom Warner, one of the owners, was there. And uh, so a lot of things uh, went down yesterday. We're going to talk about that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 28 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. So the Red Sox had their press conference yesterday to uh, formally announce the contract extension for Raphael Devers. Um, Look, this was, you know, something that uh, considering what happened with Bogarts, this had to happen. It had to happen. What's interesting with this contract is uh, the way that it's structured. And and I think think the way that they've done this, and, and I'm not talking about the Red Sox, although it does help the Red Sox out in a way, but I think the way that his agent structured this is a is smart. Um, it has a, it has a $20 million signing bonus, and it's payable over the course of four years, starting this year. He's going to get $5 million a year as part of the signing bonus for the next four years through 2026. And then he's going to get his regular salaries every year. But what's what in each season of this deal, Seven and a half million dollars of the money is going to be deferred. So, and and it will be deferred and payable ten years after the season in which it was earned. So, what does that mean? It means that you know, ten years after Raffy Devers is done playing with the Red Sox or after the, the the expiration of this contract, which is in uh, 2033, that he will get $7.5 million. And it's, I mean, think about this. You know, um, people that get a lot of money tend to, uh, tend to go a little crazy, right? And so this is an opportunity for Devers you know, to have some security for a while, you know, like and, and, and allow him to, you know, make some financial mistakes and still be OK because he's going to get, um, you know, this deferred money. I, I think it's a great idea. You know, it's kind of like uh, everybody's out going crazy buying uh, power or uh, mega millions tickets. Right. It's now one point three five billion dollars. Whenever anybody wins the big lottery jackpots, they always take the lump sum. And when you think about it, the lump sum is generally half, to take it all at once, it's half of what the jackpot is. So the $1.35 billion, I think the lump sum is somewhere around $550 million or something like that. Then you take the taxes off on top of that that the federal government and your state is going to get from you, and now all of a sudden, you know, you got $300 million out of a one. Out of or four hundred million dollars out of a one point three five billion. So and they hand you a check, or a, you know, or deposit all this money into your account. And people, the number of people that win lottery jackpots, and are broke, five, six, seven years later, is staggering, staggering. And I'm sixty two years old, and I, I joked with Barb. Uh, my wife and and I said, look, you know, because I'm going to buy a ticket. I buy, you know, why not? I mean, I don't usually buy lottery tickets, but when they get to these ridiculous numbers, what the hell do you got to lose, right? Go out and spend a couple of bucks, get a ticket, and for you know a couple of days, you could fantasize about what you would do with the money, right? But I said to Barb, 
I said, to me, I'm taking the annuity. I'm going to roll the dice that I'm going to live a long time or that we're going to live a long time because if we win it, we'd get it together. So if, you know, if I croak, it would go to her. If she croaks, it would go to me because we would, we would win it together. Normally, when you die, that money goes away unless it's a, a couple and then, you know, it continues. But, but if, if it were me, I'm taking the annuity. And it's usually, I think, over 29 or 30 years. That would mean I have to live to be 92 to get it all. But I'm going to roll the dice that I'm going to win that. Uh, I'm going to live that long. Why? Because A, you get way more money, right? Way more money. And B, it's protection that, you know, you, you, you make a few investments or you, you help some, you a bunch of people out, and all of a sudden you go, oh, Jesus. I ran through all that money. I ran through, you know, and now I've got nothing, right? Uh, but if you take the annuity, January 1st of every year, you get a new check, right? It allows you to make some mistakes and still have that guaranteed income. So for me, I'm taking the annuity. I don't understand younger people, you know, people in their 40s and 50s that win the lottery and don't take the annuity. I don't get it. I want, you know, I want that security. So what, this is what Rafi Devers has now. You know, and when he completes this contract, by the way, you know, and, and that's the thing, you know, uh, he'll get money through 2043. Well, in 2043, he'll be 46 years old. So he will have been done playing for a few years, and he will still be getting money for not playing baseball. Smart, very smart. And I don't know if it was the Red Sox idea or if it was Devers' idea or if it was the agent's idea. Whoever's idea it was, brilliant. Um, and look, when he completes this contract in 2033, he's still only going to be 36 years old. The way baseball is now, he'll still have three, four, five years to play if he wants to, you know, unless something happens physically, you know, so that he can't. The, you know, the other thing about baseball contracts that are great versus football because football money most of it's not guaranteed usually unless you get that into your contract but most football contracts are not guaranteed if you get hurt and you can't play you don't get paid period in major league baseball these contracts are guaranteed unless there's a provision in your contract like if you get hurt and you get hurt doing something that's not baseball related like that idiot fernando tatis jr that goes out riding motorcycles and breaks his wrist and, you know, and then hurts it again doing something stupid, you don't get paid for those because you can write that into the contract that if it's a non, you know, non-competition uh, related thing, they don't have to pay you. But this is smart. He'll still have a few years to play, and then he'll still have that guaranteed money coming after he retires. So that was cool. Um, the other thing yesterday, Bloom kind of opened things up. And, you know, said the normal things that you normally say. And then you saw him pause for a second. You know, he, he was praising Rafi and all that. But then you saw him pause for a second. And he spoke directly to the fans yesterday. Look, he's been taking an absolute beating, and rightly so. But, you know, he kind of threw out an olive branch yesterday and said, look, um, you know, we know that it's not always easy, he says. And I know we've had some ups and downs in the last few years. And he said, I know you're all smart. 
which is, by the way, giving them way more, most fans way more credit. But he said, I know you're all smart and knew there would be some ups and downs. Um, uh, and you've been with us. You celebrated. And, you know, and he said, when we've hurt, you've hurt. And we know that and we feel it. So I'm hoping today when you think about what we've always talked about and where we're going, um, you know, it's basically just saying, hey, look, we've taken a few shots and we're probably going to take some more. But I promise that our long term goal is the right one. Just kind of trying to talk some of the fans off the ledge, because, you know, if you're on social media uh, and you're a Red Sox fan, it, it is just just carnage on Heimblum and the Red Sox ownership. And as I said, look, they deserve everything they get. Heimblum's been there for three years. They have finished in last place two out of the three years he's been there. That's not acceptable in Boston. And the ownership group has been very, very, very quiet about all of this. They don't like going in front of the media. They don't like talking. Um, I get it, you know, and then they're billionaires, and they don't have to if they don't want to. But yesterday, Tom Werner, who is the chairman of the board, was at this press conference. And it was so funny looking him up at there on the podium. He looked like he was going to an execution. He looked about as uncomfortable as you can possibly be. But what was interesting that came out of this was one of the big things. There's been a lot of call. The, the Red Sox fans want John Henry and Werner and, and all the other owners to sell. Get out. Sell the team because you suck. You're not doing the right thing. We need a new owner. And why do they feel that way? Well, because Fenway Sports Group, which is the, the entity that John Henry is the principal owner of, has other interests. And what are those other interests? Well, they own the Liverpool, Liverpool Football Club and the English Premier League. Uh, they're involved in NASCAR. They own the Pittsburgh Penguins in the NHL, which was interesting, by the way, when the Penguins were in Fenway Park to play the Bruins. Uh, and, you know, uh, but and they have other things and they're looking to expand. But one thing that Tom Warner said yesterday, he said, there are absolutely no plans to sell the Red Sox. He said, look, um, we're not selling, period. He said the ownership's heart and soul is with the Red Sox, despite all their other uh, interests that their heart and soul is with the Red Sox. And he said, I'm 72, John's 72. He said, we have a desire to win many more World Series here. And he said, as long as we're healthy, we're going to keep improving the stewardship of the Red Sox. So they put that to rest in a big hurry. He also thought, he, he said that, uh, you know, there's a perception out there, especially on social media and, you know, the fans. The fans want to believe that they have more power than they do. So when John Henry showed up to that Winter Classic when the Penguins were playing the Bruins at Fenway Park, when he showed up, he got booed loudly. And Tom Werner said, you know, the idea that John Henry getting booed was the reason that they signed Raphael Devers to that extension is kind of crazy. He said, look, we've been trying to sign him for a long time. He said, and by the way, owners get booed all the time. It's part of the deal. If you can't stand that, you know, he said, you know, using the old phrase, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. 
Uh, he said, we've been trying to, uh, to sign this guy for a long time. So, uh, John Henry getting booed had absolutely nothing to do with it. And as you, you know, as you read more and uh, you hear more details, you find out that is indeed true. You know, I mean, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of meetings, some private planes, some meetings in, uh, you know, where they're, they're flying Raffi in on a private plane and some calls on, on New Year's Eve. And, you know, they've been trying to get this done for a while. They had, you know, look, and they knew they had to. And the reason that they did, and they they were not hesitant about admitting this at all yesterday. They said, look, the reason that we don't have a problem signing Rafi Devers to a contract for 11 years or 10 years or whatever it was, is that, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, 10 years because it doesn't start until next season. It's an extension. So he's getting $17 million for this year. And then his new extension will take place next year and take him till 2033. So they said, you know, look, um, the reason that we didn't have a problem signing Rafi to a contract of this length is because he's 26 years old or will be 26 this year. He said, so when this contract expires, he's still only 36 years old. You know, Xander Bogart signed an 11 year deal with San Diego and, and, you know, good for him. But when that contract is up, Rafi Dev, I mean, uh, Xander Bogarts is going to be 40 years old. And if you, all you got to do is check history. 40-year-old shortstops do not fare well in Major League Baseball. How many 40-year-old shortstops do you remember? Right? I mean, look, Derek Jeter, remember, you know, the, considered one of the greatest, you know, shortstops in the history of the New York Yankees, was not the same guy in his late 30s that he was when he was a young man, and, you know, they probably weren't getting the value. They were paying for his name and for his uh, the love that the fans had for him. The Yankees knew they couldn't let the guy walk, right? So now the Red Sox have signed Rafi Devers, but he'll be 36. Xander Bogarts will be 40. And in baseball those four years are significant. There are the number of guys that are impact players into their 40s is small. You know, it's not as small as you have in the NFL, like where Tom Brady's basically a unicorn, where you don't have 45-year-old starting quarterbacks in the NFL. There have been some players, obviously, that have played well into their 40s. I mean, David Ortiz had one of the best seasons of his career in his 40s. You know, but by and large... Pitchers in their 40s or position players in their 40s are not pitching or playing at an elite level. So Rafi will still be 36 years old. So it made perfect sense. I get it. Absolutely get it. Um, and the Red Sox also admitted yesterday, look, they've still got work to do. And uh, Alex Cora was interviewed yesterday. He was in town for the announcement, and they said, look, they, he still expects – that the Red Sox are going to make some free agent moves or a trade. You know, um, you know, Alex Cora mentioned yesterday that Kike Hernandez could be one of their options at shortstop until Trevor Story comes back. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know how I feel about that. I still think his best position is center field. He he would rather play second base. But at the end of the day, you know, somebody brought up yesterday, well, what about Jaron Duran? Does this give him an opportunity? And <laughs> Alex Corr was like, well, you know, we'd obviously like him to play better. <laughs> I mean, you know, 
you know, Duran's been disappointing. Not just hitting the ball. I mean, he's only played 91 games. So before we get crazy, right, he's only played 91 games, and he's hit 219. Right? But he's got incredible speed. But the most concerning part isn't necessarily the offense. It's the fact that this is a guy that's a center fielder. He's got elite speed. You'd expect him to be a better defender, and he's awful. He has been awful. His roots, you know, going after fly balls have been awful. So they need him to get better. You know, so, you know, I still think they need to call and, and see, uh, call Jose Iglesias' uh, camp and get Jose Iglesias in there. Let him play shortstop. Sign him to a one-year deal. Let him play shortstop. Keep Kike out in center field. Roll the dice with Christian Arroyo, and, you know, you can, you know, find a you know somebody else, to a utility guy to play there. You know, they got to do something. They can't just go with Kike Hernandez. I don't think that's a good move. The other thing they could possibly do, if you really are, are sold on Kike Hernandez at shortstop and keeping uh, Christian Arroyo at second base and praying to God he stays healthy, the other thing they could do is go find themselves a center fielder. I don't know. The, probably the best name out there would be a guy like uh, Andrew McCutcheon. You know, McCutcheon isn't. Uh, the player that he used to be because he's now in his mid to late 30s as we talk about guys as they you know their skills decrease as they get older but McCutcheon can still go and get it in center field he can probably still hit you 250 can hit you 15 to 20 home runs and he's a good clubhouse guy so you know he might be an option but they've got to do something they cannot stand pat with what they have right now because they can't compete in the American League East with that uh, the other thing that uh, Cora said yesterday is James Paxton and Chris Sale are both on schedule for spring training. They, they've had no setbacks. Um, so the uh, the two fragile arms will be ready to go come spring training. He said they're probably going to have them on innings limits to start the season. Duh. But look, you know, look, if they are, if they truly are healthy, you know, and, and, and even if they limit them early in the year, if James Paxton and Chris Sale can be uh, close to what they used to be, before the injuries, the Red Sox might have something there. You know, the problem is they've still got too many holes up the middle. Their shortstop, their second baseman, and their center fielder, and their catcher. Those four positions are huge. You got to, you know, your catcher, uh, Reese McGuire, is a guy who's a career backup. His backup, Connor Wong, is 30 games in the major leagues. Kike is pretty good in center field. But then right now, shortstop, second base, not good. And and with the change this year where they're not going to be able to shift, it's going to make range at second base that much more, and, and shortstop, that much more important. And right now, what they got ain't going to cut it. Uh, and speaking of signing shortstop, the Dodgers made a trade for one yesterday. They got Miguel Rojas uh, from the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, sending a, a minor league infielder there to get him. Look, Rojas is only making five million bucks. Uh, the Dodgers have a, a hole at shortstop. They they thought about moving Gavin Lux there from second base, but they don't want to do that. So now they can leave Lux, Lux at second. Rojas will be look a stopgap. They've got enough offense they can get away with it because Rojas's uh, last year was just his OPS last year was six oh five, the worst of his career. But he is a plus defender, and uh, that that'll help the Dodgers there. And like I said, I think they can they can hide his bat in the lineup. It is 47 minutes past the hour. We're going to take one more break. Back in a minute, you're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 
It is 49 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. Uh, don't forget, coming up tomorrow, it's a football Friday. It's a Facebook Friday. We'll have uh, our Facebook Live video tomorrow. Uh, Dan Zampano will join us to talk NFL playoffs. Um, and as, uh, We always look forward to Dan's visits every Friday, and uh, so we'll have him on tomorrow. So I hope you can join us for that. Uh, he'll be on at uh, 9.15 on Friday. I watched the UConn men's basketball game last night, and uh, – Look, UConn's got a problem. They're fifteen and three. They got a problem. Uh, they are still one of the top five teams in the country, but they have a defense problem. Um, their defense, the last few games, has really, really struggled. And they came out yesterday and uh, looked really good in the first half. Had an eleven-point lead at one point. Looked like they were going to run away and hide from number twenty-five Marquette last night. Then the second half happened. Marquette scored 49 points in the second half last night, shot 60% from the field in the second half, 15 for 25, uh, 16 for 19 from the line. They just took it to UConn last night in the second half, and Marquette ends up upsetting the Huskies 82-76. The game was on the road. You know, you have to take that into consideration because I think home court advantage does make a difference in college basketball, uh, and they'll get them again at Gamble. Um, but that was a problem last night. And, you know, look, the other thing that was disappointing, and this is part of the defense problem, is Adama Sanogo looked like uh, he was sleepwalking. As great as he looked against Creighton, he was terrible last night, to the point where he only played 19 minutes. Hit 10 points and five turnovers and just looked uh, disinterested in playing defense. The good news is, is Donovan Klingon, the freshman, uh, the 7-2 freshman, 20 points, 10 rebounds last night, five blocks. Made, I mean, this kid just keeps getting better and better. The biggest issue with, uh, with him is he's got to work a little bit on catching the ball in the post. He shuffles his feet a lot when he catches the ball down low. He's been called for traveling a lot. He's got to, got to work on that a little bit more. But um, the other issue, the, the Red Sox perimeter shooting has not been good. But part of the problem with that. Is the red is is that the Huskies don't move the ball? They tend to when the ball gets in to the hands of their guards outside. There's too much dribbling going on. You know, instead of passing the ball, you know, moving to get open, moving without the basketball, they're trying to just create something off the dribble all the time. And you know, they end up having to throw the ball, you know, to somebody for a desperation shot as the shot clock is winding down. Move the ball. Way, way, way too much dribbling. But, look, uh, we don't need to push the panic button. You know, they did some good things last night. Um, you know, they, they rebounded the ball pretty well last night, but they've got to work on that defense. And, and you know, you know, Danny Hurley is a defensive guy, and he cannot be happy with what he's seen. i got a feeling uh, practices are going to be a little spirited the next couple of days. Uh, their schedule does get easier the next few games. Uh, are, are easier for them, and they will play St. John's um, at the XL Center in Hartford on Sunday at noon. Uh, the UConn women win last night. Uh, they get AZ Fudd back. Uh, she'd been out almost six weeks with that knee injury. She comes back. She only played, uh, what, 20 minutes, but scored 14 points, shot 6 of 11, looked pretty good. Uh, Gino Oriema was back on the bench last night after announcing that he wasn't going to be there. He was. Now, he did not handle the postgame stuff. He let Chris Daly do that, but he was on the bench for the game. By the way, 
looked like he had just come off a bender. He was unshaven, and it's like, man, just like what the hell? Um, but uh, uh, Chris Daly handled the pre- and post-game uh, interviews and stuff. But uh, Gino was back on the bench. Um, uh, Lou Lopez Seneschal with 20 points last night on 8 of 9 shooting uh, led the way for the Huskies. Look, St. John's came into this game last night 15-1. and one. They were off to one of the best starts of uh, their franchise history. But as happens all the time, UConn just absolutely owns St. John, and they win St. John's, and they win the game easily last night. Uh, and then they will also play on Sunday. It's a doubleheader with the men's team. They will host Georgetown uh, on Sunday at the XL Center. The Celtics win last night. Uh, Jalen Brown, 41 points. Jason Tatum, 31 points. I mean, 72 points for two guys. Um, it was the fifth career 40-point game for Jalen Brown. They beat the New Orleans Pelicans 125-114 last night. Four straight win for the Celtics. They have the NBA's best record at 30-12. and 12. They play again tonight, um, and they go to Brooklyn. And the Nets have the second-best record in the Eastern Conference. They are 27-13. and 13. Kyrie Irving has been playing very, very well probably one of the most hated men in basketball these days, but he is playing um, at a high level right now, and this will be a great test for the Celtics tonight. So uh, that will certainly be one that uh, that I'll be watching tonight. Uh, Bruins back in action tonight too. Uh, Bruins holding the best record in the NHL. I mean, tell you what, you know, thank God for the Bruins and the Celtics. I mean, look how bad the Patriots have been this year. You know, look at the last place finish for the Red Sox. At least the Celtics and the Bruins are giving people uh, something to be excited about. I mean, the Bruins are just playing. Uh, they're, they're not playing the same game as everybody else. They've only lost four games all year in, in regulation, and they've, they've lost four in overtime or shootouts. But uh, 33 wins, four losses in regulation, and four overtime losses. I mean, they're just running away and hiding from the rest of the NHL. That's going to do it for us here this morning. A uh, birthday today. Howard Stern, 69 years old. Never a big Howard Stern fan. I was. It was you were either, you were either a Don Imus or a uh, or a Howard Stern fan, uh, and I was an Imus guy. But uh, he's grown on me as he's gotten older. There was just a great interview he did. Uh, it was on HBO. He did it on his XM Sirius XM radio show. But they taped it, and it was on HBO. If you haven't seen it, check it out on demand. It's like two and a half hours of him interviewing Bruce Springsteen. It was outstanding. And I'm telling you, as as one of the things I like about Stern, and I think it's some the same thing with Imus as he got older, he's become a better interviewer as he has gotten older. And that, that interview with uh, with Bruce Springsteen, very, very good. If you haven't seen it, I, I, I highly recommend checking it out. Hey, it's also William Lee Golden's birthday. William Lee Golden, a member of the Oak Ridge Boys. He's 84 years old today. God, I'm getting old. Uh, but uh, in honor of William Lee Golden, here's a little... Oak Ridge Boys, as we find our way out of here, here's Elvira. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.